This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Good afternoon and welcome to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo here tonight in the studio. No Greg Vavernick or Tommy the Mac McNamara. You can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments at our call-in number. It's here. It's live. Take part in our show, 516-299-2030. And we are podcasting. So you can look it up tomorrow on your podcast app on your phone. Type in Review and Preview. There you go. It's right there. And Kyle... What a blockbuster week it has been for New York sports, um, especially baseball. We're going to get right into the trade of New York Mets, former dominant right-hander Matt Harvey, traded to the Cincinnati Reds for catcher Devin Messeracco and Cash. And what really surprised me the most, Kyle, the trade happened during the series with the Reds. And you see Messerocco playing for the Mets yesterday. That huge, awful debacle with hitting out of order. Welcome to the Mets, Devin Messerocco. Matt Harvey, you're awful. Goodbye. Don't come back. See you later. Goners can be goners. Kyle, thank goodness Matt Harvey is off this team. Absolutely. He was he was part of the main dysfunction in this organization for a very long time. He hasn't been good since 2015. He's been very bad, and I looked up a stat. Over the course of his entire career, we, we made him out to be the Dark Knight. He only won 34 games for the Mets. We're making him, uh, uh, we're making him out to be one of these all-time great pitchers, but he, all this time he really wasn't. And I read a report that because he wasn't with the Mets, he was still in L.A. as he was getting traded, and he wasn't uh, – um, he wasn't with Cincinnati at the time. So, obviously, listen, this is a trade that we all knew was going to happen. But for Mets fans, here's the bright side. Don't you feel a little sweet, Tom, that of all cities that Matt Harvey got traded to, he got traded to a city like Cincinnati and not a team like Anaheim? Absolutely. He deserved it. He didn't deserve to be on a good team. Look, with all the injuries that were happening with DeGrom, Vargas not pitching well, Harvey could have easily went down to the minors. And he could have easily came back up and had himself another shot with New York. Instead, he decides to be the hothead that he is, you know, head to toe, and just deny that, look, this is karma. And quite frankly, karma has struck on Matt Harvey. And the pitching mess that the Mets have right now, with Vargas being 0-3, Steven Matz has pitched terrible. The fact that Harvey is off this team, Mets fans are rejoicing right now. You started the season 11 and 1, and now you're 18 and 17. Are you kidding me? It's a joke. It's an absolute joke, considering the fact that nothing of much has really changed. Yeah. Anything team-wise, I mean, the roster's been the same. If anything, people are getting more healthy now than they were in the beginning of the season. It's pretty bad, it, you know. It's just it's it's crazy because this team, on paper in the beginning of the season, we said was a pretty good team. And what do the Mets run on? They run on good pitching, and it just hasn't been there. No, I mean Vargas, I saw in the offseason as one of their best signings because last year I'm pretty sure he had about 18 wins he did. for the Royals. That is right. 
it was a very good pitcher. Now you can't even see him play a full five innings without. He's awful. He's yeah, so bad. You know, Not just him. Wheeler. Well, Wheeler Matt's, pitched pretty good yesterday. He pitched pretty good yesterday, and I think Wheeler has been their third best starter right now. To be honest with you. Yeah. Um, look, I just I don't see the Mets improving anytime soon. Actually, let's talk about yesterday's game a little bit. First of all, where do we start, Kyle? I don't know where to start. Uh, look, they're seven and sixteen since starting eleven and one. So you've only won seven out of your last twenty-three games. Degrom, actually, let's rewind a little bit to the start of the series with Cincinnati. Degrom missed the start, so P.J. Conlon pitched in his place. They brought him up from AAA, and he didn't look awful. But I mean. That was the only game they won of this series. And, you know, losing two out of three to Cincinnati is just bad. Game two of the series on Tuesday, Mets lose seven to two, looked awful. And what I really want to talk about yesterday, the start of this game, batting out of order, giving the wrong lineup card to the umpire. Yep. That's just unacceptable. If you're Mickey Calloway, if you're the first base coach who gave the wrong lineup card, and what happened was uh, there was a mess-up between Estrubo Cabrera and Wilmer Flores. Flores was supposed to hit second, which he hit correctly, and Cabrera was supposed to hit third, which is what the Mets had, but it's not what Reds general manager Jim Riggleman had. It's not what the home plate umpire had. I think Morales was doing it yesterday. And Flores, um, I believe he was the first out. No, I think he was the second out of the inning. I, I second out. Yeah, and then Cabrera came up, doubled. Yep. He was ruled out. And then Jay Bruce was also ruled out. Um, and then R- Riggleman won the challenge. And what happened was he didn't challenge until Cabrera had the double. Yeah. So the Flores at bat counted. Yeah. That was considered, you know, acceptable. Yeah. That was considered correct. Mm-hmm. But right before the first pitch to, to Jay Bruce, Jim Riggleman notices it. Typical Mets move. Typical Mets move. Can you do any better? You're this bad of a baseball team right now, not to mention you've dipped to fourth place. In the yep. National League East? Yeah. A few weeks ago, this team had the best record in the, in the major leagues. Yeah. The best record in the major leagues. And everybody's rejoicing, and right now, the Mets are just crashing down. But back to that messed up lineup. Apparently, Riggleman and nobody knew that Bruce was ruled out. It was a rule that the umpires only knew. So the challenge in the second inning by Riggleman when Adrian Gonzalez let off and got a base hit, uh, he didn't win that one. And apparently what happens is the batter after that is out. So Bruce was ruled out. So three outside retired. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and realistically, it was just not a good series for the Mets. No. And it's, it's listen, it's the epitome of the Mets as an organization of all things. I was listening to a uh, sports radio show as this was happening. And he said in his 40 years of watching baseball, he's never seen this happen in the majors 
or in the minors. Right. It was one of the most ridiculous things that he had ever seen. And just the fact of all teams for it to happen to, of all teams. And to think about it, Cabrera was on second base. I mean, think of the momentum that they could have had, especially losing in extra innings 2-1 to one to Cincinnati. They could have pulled this game out mm-hmm. if that didn't get called. Yeah. But, listen, the, the Mets are the Mets. Right. That, that's what it all comes down to. You know, it's, it, it's pretty bad. Um, look, the one bright side of this team is Estrubal Cabrera. 319 batting average. The unsung hero leads the team with 43 hits. And not to mention yesterday, one thing that went underlooked, you talked about starting pitching. Zach Wheeler looked pretty good. Six innings pitched, just one run on four hits and seven strikeouts. But A.J. Ramos couldn't close out the game. The same things that haunted the Mets in all their previous years, the nine-year playoff drought, it's back. The yep. bullpen stinks. Everyone's getting hurt. Frazier, 10-day DL. See ya. Like, come on. Todd Frazier, when he was in the lineup, the Mets were winning. Yeah. The Mets were winning. He was making defensive plays. His bat got hot. Then he got into a little bit of a slump. And with Frazier going down with the injury, the Mets recalled Luis Guillorme, uh, outfielder, and they optioned Tomas Nito to AAA. So there you go. And that was one of the catchers the Mets had on their roster. Um, so now it's Messeraco, and I believe Lobatone is still on the roster. Yeah. And I just don't understand how the Mets got a player out of that deal. I mean, Messeraco must be that bad if they traded him for Matt Harvey. I don't I don't I don't know. I mean, honestly, maybe Cincinnati sees that maybe they could turn Matt Harvey around not completely to what he was, but maybe a little better so that maybe at the trade deadline they could get something for him because why right. would you take on that kind of salary to begin with cuz I'm pretty sure that Cincinnati was taking on a majority of his contract. I just don't understand this trade at all because Matt Harvey, all-star, 2013, starting pitcher in City Field. Devin Messeraco, all-star, 2014. The guy's got 48 career home runs. He's a decent player. Yeah. He's a decent player, and I I have a conspiracy theory, Kyle, and I'm not sure if you're going to agree with this, but is is this another audition for Matt Harvey to return to New York, the Yankees have expressed no interest in trading for him at the deadline at this moment. But is there a chance he can come back to the Mets at, I don't, the, at the deadline? I don't think there is. And honestly, this might be his last chance to really prove himself, and especially on a in team— this league. Yeah, in this league. And especially on a team like the Cincinnati Reds, where he could potentially be the only bright spot on this team because they're not winning anytime soon. Right. They fired their coach 12 games into the season. This could be the only bright spot of this Cincinnati team. Yep. And hopefully, if you're Matt Harvey, you're smart enough to realize that you can potentially show what you got right? and hopefully get traded or potentially sign a new contract next year. But yeah. back to what you said, possibly come back to the Mets. I just don't know if this guy could handle the Showtime areas he like can't LA handle New York. New York. He, can't he can't handle, handle New York. And my thing is this. He grew up in Connecticut. Yeah. That's in the tri-state area. You get a lot of publicity, and I just don't understand it. He's 29 years old. The Mets signed them to a one-year deal this season to see what he can do. I think that was it for him with the Mets. I think he's a cancer in the locker room. There's no reason for Harvey to be on this team anymore. Yep. He's What's done is done. The Mets are going to move on. Harvey's going to move on. That's it. 
Uh, the new fifth starter in this rotation, look, Robert Giselman has shown me a lot. Seth Lugo's been decent out of the bullpen. He's been great, actually. Um, these younger guys deserve opportunities. Look, Conlon didn't look exactly great, but, I mean, he's putting in a lot more effort than Matt Harvey is. Yep. Look, Harvey's gotten bombed. Vargas has gotten bombed. And it's not just the pitching at this point. The hitting, too. Yep. It's not looking good. You have Conforto batting seventh now, which is besides me. Uh, you know, Nimmo has looked okay. Besides Cabrera and Cespedes, the whole lineup has been garbage. Yep. And has whole, been garbage. The whole lineup is is garbage. It really is. I mean, at, at the beginning of uh, the regular season, we were talking about projecting how many games the Mets could win this season. And I had stated, listen, on paper, the batting isn't too bad. I mean, if the guys stay healthy, they could potentially win 80-plus games. But it, it all counts on the pitching. And the minute that you see a guy like DeGrom go down, that's when you know when it's headed for the worst. Because yeah. you cannot lose, especially with a Mets team like this where they're dependent on the pitching and then the hitting will come later. You cannot lose a guy of his caliber for any starts. Nonetheless, one. And we don't even know. Is he going to start this weekend? I don't know. I mean, he missed his last start against Cincinnati. He could potentially miss a couple more starts. Right. Um. DeGrom is supposed to pitch this weekend in the series against the Phillies. And quite frankly, right now, this is the Mets' biggest nightmare because the Braves and the Nationals are the two hottest teams in the in the National League. Yep. And then the Phillies are 21-15. and 15. The Mets have dipped from first to fourth. And the Mets are playing at Philly this weekend. The Phillies have one of the best home records in the major leagues. It's not good. 14-5? It's not good. And... You look top to bottom in the Phillies lineup. Yep. I can't think of one guy off the top of my head that shines to me. Nope. You really can't. Look, and one thing that they did really, that the Phillies did an excellent job of, was signing Jake Arrieta late. It's paid off. Yeah, it, it really, really has. Yep. A veteran like that on this young, inexperienced team, the Phillies are respectable. And remember what I said before the season started with Tommy Mack. Yeah. Look out. The Phillies can surprise people this year. Yep. They really can. And look what they did to the Giants today. They beat them 6-3. to three. Yep. And yep. I'm trying to figure out who was pitching. I think it was Velasquez pitching today for the Phillies. He had 12 strikeouts. Yeah. 12. Yep. These, are, these guys who you've never heard of are starting to prove themselves. And not just the Phillies, Tom, but the Braves. I mean, the Braves are one of those teams who for the past couple of years you're like, okay, they're there. Fans at home They're not going to compete, though. Fans at home listening. Do you know who Vince Velasquez is? I don't. Do you know him? Six innings pitched, three runs, five hits, one walk, 12 strikeouts. 12. Oduble Herrera, the number three hitter, three for four, two RBIs. Cesar Hernandez, the leadoff hitter, went two for five today. You know, it's these guys coming out of nowhere. And Vince Velasquez, the pitcher, was two for two with yeah. his bat. Incredible. Uh, we'll touch upon the Phillies briefly again later, but the Mets will play them, and the starters for the Mets, the Mets are off today. Thank goodness. This is probably the biggest off day the Mets have needed in the history of the franchise. <laughs> oh, man. You know, Kyle, I don't know what to say about this team. And, you know, Greg and Tommy Mack, big Met fans as well. Look, you live 10 minutes away from City Field, and, you know, the traffic is getting a lot lighter before Mets games. That's yeah. never a good sign. That's yeah. never a good sign. With compared to how the Yankees have been playing, Bronx is well ahead of Queens right now. Yep. Well ahead. It all it all comes down to two things, Tom. If you don't have a good farm system, 
you're not going to succeed in this league. Right. If you don't if you don't spend the money, you're not going to su- uh, succeed in this league. Yeah. And those are two things that the Mets have refused to do. You know, and they have a terrible, terrible farm system. Probably the worst it's, in the league. Yeah. And they, uh, we were up here a couple months ago pepping them up because they made some quality signings. We but, were. Yeah. But you see, you don't. Obviously, these are good signings, but you want those big time free agents. Of course, of course. And you see what these guys could like a guy like Mike Mustakis. I mean, he's quietly having ten job. plus home runs right now job. as a Kansas City Royal. He could have been a Met. He he's doing his job. I'm looking at the Mets. Um, starting pitchers for this weekend, you have Mats on Friday, Syndergaard on Saturday, DeGrom on Sunday. DeGrom is still undefeated. Look, DeGrom and Syndergaard cannot carry this team. No. They need Conforto to be the all-star that he was last year. Cespedes needs to hit better. Cabrera needs to keep doing what he's doing. They need Todd Frazier back. Look, they have minor leaguers starting at catcher right now. Hopefully Mesoraco does something. Kevin Ploiecki is still not back yet. We'll see. Yep. That's the motto of this team right now, the Mets. We'll see. Yep. On that note, (laughs) let's get away from the Mets, push them to the side. When we come back, we are going to talk about a much better New York baseball team right now, and that is the New York Yankees. I'm really excited to talk about them. We'll, uh, We'll get to them a little bit later. Right after this break, and actually I'm engineering tonight as well as hosting, so if you hear those clicks back there, that's me as well. When we come back, it's the New York Yankees. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Now back to Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Folks, we do apologize. We're having a little bit issue with our tunes coming back, but despite that, welcome back to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside... Kyle Russo, and we just spoke about the Mets, and we're not going to spend any more time on them, but the New York Yankees have been playing pretty well. Not pretty well. I should say outstanding. 26-10, first place in the American League East, overtaking first place last night, and the Yankees started 8-8. Eight eight. They're a very mediocre team to start the season, but everybody knew that at one point they were, you know, poised to explode, which they have. They've won 17 out of their last 18 games, the first time in 65 years that they've done that. The best record in all of the major leagues. Not to mention they've won their last 11 home games and have outscored opponents 78-33 to in those home games. Kyle, how have the Yankees had this much success? Well, like you said, Tom, I mean, we knew potentially what this team was capable of. And now we're seeing it transcribe on the field. Uh, Stan's finally getting his bat together. The pitching is outstanding from everybody. Severino, Tanaka, CeCe, everybody. The relievers are coming together. Chapman is is pitching out of his mind right now, coming out of the, uh, coming out of the reliever pen. And, and just everybody. Everybody's finding the bat. Defense. Young guys like Miguel and Duhor and Gliber Torres coming up, kind of worried in the beginning of the season, considering that they didn't have a solid second baseman going into the season, yeah. didn't have a solid starter at third baseman, mm-hmm. and they've been able to plug these guys in, and these guys have looked phenomenal. Yeah, and and it's fantastic to see seventeen and out of the last eighteen, and then they have this winning streak right now of the last eight games against teams like Houston, Cleveland, 
and the Boston Red Sox, yeah. which are all first-place teams in their own divisions, or at least were up until the Yankees took over first place last night. Yeah, It's been incredible what they've been able to do, and not to mention the impact that um, Aaron Judge has had. You know, you talk about last night, the Yankees were down in this game. This yep. was a comeback win. The four-run eighth inning off of Craig Kimbrell, who, quite frankly, cannot pitch in New York at all. He can't pitch in the Bronx. He also can't pitch in Queens as well. <laughs> two stadiums that have really uh, shut him out. It started with the two-run triple by Brett Gardner and then the two-run bomb, 429 feet by Aaron Judge right over the center, the center field. field wall. He hit that. That was hit 117 miles per hour yep. off of Craig Kimbrell. Incredible. You know what they say, good offense turns into good defense, and Judge also, I don't know if you're watching, he had that diving grab at a right field in the fifth inning. Yep. He's, I mean, he's very athletic for his size, I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah, the the things that this guy could do on the field, whether it's up against the wall, grabbing, stealing home runs from batters, diving, laying his body out on the line, this guy can yep. do everything. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing that has really been – Exciting to watch. Well, the first month of the season. It's the play of Didi Gregorius. Uh, however, in this series, Didi is 0 for 8. But it's been the other guys emerging. Giancarlo Stanton had two homers the other night. Judge and Gardner each had three hits last night. Brett Gardner is back, you know, the leadoff hitter. And the Yankees have taken the first two out of three against the Red Sox. And they're looking for the sweep tonight. And what's been so incredible is the Yankees are beating up against the top five to six teams in the American League. Toronto, Cleveland, Houston, Boston. These are all top teams. These aren't, you know, sleepaway teams that they're beating up on. These are legit contending teams, and this is very scary to watch. Yeah. If you're any other team besides the New York Yankees, this is extremely scary because they're not even at full strength. Yep. They're not. They're not. It's it's in, it's incredibly fun to watch too. I mean, I uh, I've only listened and heard that the Yankees haven't been this good since the nineteen uh, since ninety eight, and obviously I I wasn't born then, so I wasn't <laughs> I didn't have the I didn't have the pleasure of uh, uh, of watching that. But don't remind me. But with my own eyes, what I've seen out of this Yankee team this year is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Just and and it all. What's more incredible about this team is is the youth of this yes. team. You know, the one thing as a Yankees fan for me was not signing back a guy like Todd Frazier because he's a real traditional locker room type of guy. You still miss him. I still miss you him still a lot. Miss him. I still miss Every him. Every Yankee lot. fan misses Todd Frazier. I miss him. I miss the Todd father. He looks better in that. blue and orange, by the way. All right. Maybe, maybe not that. Maybe not that. <laughs> he doesn't play better in well, blue had, and orange. I but had to throw, actually. Maybe has. the batting average. Maybe kinda the batting has. average. But listen, <laughs> I miss him a lot. And that was one of the most things I was worried about this season, going into the season, considering that the Yankees didn't really have a leader. Right. And they've proven that, unless they have one, they've proven that they really don't need one. They lead They lead by themselves. They lead for the young guys. It's anybody stepping up any night. Right. You see John Carlo finally getting his bat together. You see Judge coming finally. in clutch in the eighth inning. You see Gardner finally getting his swing together. Didi, for ten straight games, was playing out of his mind, considering himself as an AL MVP. And the pitching has just been outstanding. Severino, if he continues to pitch like this, this this is a Cy Young winner right here. He's played absolutely out of his mind. You, you think so? I I, th- I really do. I really do. You should have said you know so. 
<laughs> Listen, we can't project what's going to happen for the rest of the season, but based on what I've seen right now, this team is this team is looking like a monster. Yeah, you know what's really alarming to me too is you talk about the Yankees, but you got to talk about the Red Sox for a minute. They have five players batting at least three thirty three on the season. Yeah, that's five players well over three hundred. Look, they kind of beat up on Tanaka last night. They got out to an early lead. Severino looked great against them. He, you know, he looked pretty good. You're talking about JD Martinez, who's on a 10 game hitting streak. He's hitting 333. He's been incredible. Mookie Betts, Xavier Bogarts, uh, you know, Brock Holt. Once he, he, I think he pinch hit last night. Yeah. I think the Red Sox miss him a little bit. Yeah. Um, but overall, this team is stacked. Yeah, they really, really are stacked. It really, there's really no weakness See Joe, in this Joe, lineup. Joe Kelly get booed. The other yeah, <laughs> it's listen, and that's I was uh, I was listening to the Michael K show a couple days ago, and he said he read something off uh, love a tweet. I love Michael K. He read something off a tweet, and he said, "You know how you, if you're the Yankees, obviously you see how Joe Kelly in the past how he kind of nailed Tyler Austin, and kind of how." Fans and people were not necessarily worried, but concerned sure. if the Yankees decide to do the same thing to the Red Sox. Right, and they've taken the smart path: beat them, sweep them. That'll prove you don't need right. to hurt exactly. another player. Yep. If you sweep them, which obviously they have to play one more game tonight, but if you're able to beat this team, one of the most dominant teams, the the team that was leading the majors in wins and standings overall. Yep. If you're able to beat this team. You don't have to do something dirty like that. Mm-hmm. That's proven them enough, especially with a team who's had many capable vets and good players on this team like J.D. Martinez, Chris Sale, uh, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Hanley Ramirez. The list goes on and on. Beat them. You don't need to do a dirty play like that. Exactly. And that's what the Yankees yeah. are doing right now. And there's one player that's really stuck out to me. It's, you know, it's, very, it's very cliche, and we talk about this every week. Yeah. But we've got to bring him up again and again and again. Aaron Judge. Yeah. What happened to the sophomore slump? It's not happening. You know why? He continues to draw walks. He continues to crush balls. And he's making better contact this season. Look, he doesn't lead the team in home runs right now, thanks to Didi Gregorius. But he does lead the team in hits, which he did last year. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he had over 150 hits last year. Yeah. He's got 41. That's a lot. You know. You're only in in May. You're five weeks into the season, realistically. Five to six weeks in. And Aaron Judge, fun fact for you, he's the only Yankee from opening day that is batting over 300 right now. The Yankees aren't just doing this off their hitting. It's off their pitching. Yeah. It's off their starting pitching. Sabathia's been great when he's been healthy. Tanaka has looked solid. Severino has looked incredible. You know, Sonny Gray and Jordan Montgomery still question marks. Uh, yeah. Luis Sessa they brought up, right? Yeah. I mean, it's by committee right now that they're doing it. I mean, Severino's obviously the one standout, but Aaron Judge, 41 hits, 28 walks. That leads the team in both categories. And tonight, you're looking at CC Sabathia going against Rodriguez for the Red Sox. Yeah. That's neither of those guys have lost the game. Yeah. They're both unbeaten. Ever since Sabathia's come back from injury, his ERA's been under one. Yeah, CC's been fantastic. And this his guy ERA, is 36, 37 years old. The I think it was a couple nights ago. The Yankees had blown a save when CeCe was pitching, and he was, if he wasn't as old as he was, right, 
he would have finished that game out. He was pitching absolutely incredible. And they had to take him out. I think it was the bottom of the sixth. Yeah, you don't want to overuse him. You don't want to overuse him because you know what he's capable of. Right. But CeCe at 37 years old is pitching incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And this team altogether, like you said with Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has to be – if there was a trophy for most improved, Aaron Judge would win it. I've never seen somebody transition so fast from being able to not be able to read a pitch at all to to absolutely become one of the most dominant pitch readers in the league. And you know where it is? And he's doing it against fantastic pitchers. It's having a guy like Giancarlo Stanton, yeah. like Brett Gardner, that are— The know, cushion. Yes. The cushion. Exactly. That's exactly why Aaron Judge is succeeding right now. Um, and the Yankees host Oakland this weekend. Yeah. They're coming in. And that should be a fun series. But the last thing on this Yankees-Red Sox series, Red Sox desperately need to take the rubber game tonight. And quite frankly, I think their second-best pitcher is on the mound because Porcello got blown up last night. Eduardo Rodriguez, 3-0. and Yes, his ERA is over 5, but he's a lefty. He's young. He's only 24, 25 years old. Rodriguez may steal one tonight. And my question to you, Kyle, before we go to break is how do the Red Sox take this rubber game away from the Yankees tonight? I really don't know, Tom. I really don't know because no other team, legitimate contending teams, have been able to do it. They've just been so hot. 17 in the last 18 games they've won. They're on an eight-game winning streak right now against the hottest and best teams in the MLB. Yeah. I don't know if there's a way to stop them. I mean, honestly, maybe you got to outbat them because I don't know if you could outpitch them. Yeah. Because these, these pitches have been phenomenal, right. the Yankees. And then when they get to the bullpen, it's been even better. Chapman. I mean, yeah, Chad Green blew the save last night. But, I mean, they've all looked good for yeah. the most part. Um, I've been impressed. I think that, man, when D.C. comes around in July for that All-Star game, you might see a lot of guys in pinstripes there. Yep. You really might. Yep. I think Judge, Severino, and Didi are almost guaranteed yep. at this point. Maybe Sanchez. Maybe Sanchez not too far behind. Sanchez is a guy that, you know, you're still Swamping waiting for him the batting average, but. to bloom. And we're actually going to talk a little bit more about the Yankees when we get back from break and some other major league news. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. And folks, just a quick reminder that the Phenomenal Forum will not be airing tomorrow. The LIU Post softball team will be playing another NCAA tournament game after beating LeMoyne College today, as that will be airing around, I think, 11 a.m. tomorrow. And then if they win, they have another game. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Welcome back to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside... Kyle Russo, Tommy the Mac McNamara not here tonight. Neither is Greg Vavanek. Greg will actually be graduating LIU Post tomorrow, and we wish him all the best. You know, just a year ago that it was me walking here at LIU Post, and now Greg, it's uh, it's been an incredible journey. And, you know, Greg being a part of Review and Preview for over a year now, uh, very happy to see him finally cross the line. Now, back to baseball. Mets and Yankees going in two completely opposite directions, but let's talk about the rest of the league. And right now, the one team that has had the worst luck out of any team in the major leagues this season is the San Francisco Giants. Yep. Johnny Cueto just placed on the 60-day DL. He'll join Madison Bumgarner 
and right now you're looking at the Giants. You're right. A lot we were talking about this during the break. A lot of the signings they made in the offseason didn't make sense. Evan Longoria at third base, you know, you thought he'd be a little bit more productive. Pretty sure he only had one hit in the first two to three weeks of the season, providing no offensive spark. You know, there's a difference between guys who get older and their play slowly declines, but this guy, is, he, he's, he's near rock dropped. bottom. Like, uh, I don't even think a couple of years from now, the young people won't, won't even know who Evan Longoria is or who he was. No. And, and that's pretty sad. And same thing with McCutcheon, too. McCutcheon was yeah. another guy who uh, the Giants... It's like they felt like they traded for the Evan Longoria and the Andrew McCutcheon of 2010 and not 2018. And I, I was one of the two biggest moves of the offseason. It was. With the two That's biggest right. names attached to it. But they just didn't make sense because they gave up potential starters that they could have brought up on the minors in order to get these guys. And these guys aren't these guys that are going to take you all the way. Can they add to your team? Of course. But they're not going to help you win a championship. You gotta have pieces surrounding them. And then with the pitching too. They have absolutely had the worst luck pitching wise in the league this year. With Jeff Samarja, uh Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, Samarja too. That's a big that's uh, a big one. And now Cueto. Cueto. And they just can't get a break. I know. It's, they just can't get a break. It's a shame. It really is a shame. Um they got mauled by the Phillies today. Yeah. Uh, they was lost, it eleven to three? Or something? Well, no, they only lost six to three, but they just couldn't get a hit. They could not get a hit off of Velasquez, who struck out twelve batters. Um, it's really, it's kind of sad that the Giants are playing this bad, and they're actually at five hundred. Yeah. So, but they should be playing so much better, especially with how poorly the Dodgers have been playing. Yeah. Which they're starting to get back on track, hopefully soon. But, I mean. You look at the lineup right now, it's Gregor Blanco and right, then you have Brandon Crawford at short, Longoria's batting third, 1-0 for 4, Brandon Belt, the cleanup hitter in left, 0 for 4, the number 5 hitter, Nick Humley, the catcher, 0 for 4, you see 0 for 0 for 0 for, the only guy that produced today at all was Pablo Sandoval, big panda. It's sad, it's really sad to see the decline of this Giants team because for so long, not for so long, but for a good chunk of the 2000s they were one of the best teams in the league i'm looking at all their pitchers that pitched today you won't recognize any of these names ty black will smith reyes maranta sam dyson hunter strickland yeah i only recognize sam dyson but yeah like you're saying tom none of these guys you recognize because half their guys are on the dl and it's 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 real upsetting because this is it's potentially a great team yeah not a great team but just an average team that could uh, compete and contend, yep. and they just they can't seem to put it together. And just when you see, as a if you're a Giants fan or just a fan of baseball, just when you look at this team, you say maybe they got some, maybe they could do some damage this year. No, and and everything goes wrong for them. Can't do it. Now, on a brighter note, um, the NL West has a new front runner this year. And that team is out in Phoenix, which I will be going to see play twice this season, is the Arizona Diamondbacks over at Chase Field. A lot of news on them, actually. We'll get to some of that news a little bit later. But the Dodgers split the series with the Diamondbacks last night. Yasiel Puig had three hits in his return from the DL. 
And the Dodgers won that game 6-3, to three, but they're still four under five hundred. But Justin Turner's return is looming. He's starting to take batting practice again. He's looking sharp with the bat. But the Diamondbacks are 24-12. and 12. That's the best record in the National League right now. Yeah. This and team's a good team. With good reason. A good you know, team. Nick Ahmed has been phenomenal. Paul Goldschmidt, A.J. Pollock. Pretty sure Pollock was the National League Player of the Month. Yep. Steve Souza's been decent. You know, you look at all these guys. Talk about John Ryan Murphy off the bench. <laughs> this this team, it's a lot of unknowns, but you talk about an emerging pitcher like Pat Corbin. Yep. You know, seven strikeouts, just over five innings. Yep. We saw the potential of this team last year when they had made it to the uh, wild card game and then moved on to then, I believe, play the Dodgers. They got swept in that series, but... But they won the wild card game. But they did win the wild card against game. Against the Rockies. And this team is completely capable of making a run, and we've seen it. And like you said, Tom, they might not have the biggest names, but they've been able to compete. They sure And in a are. division yeah. where it's kind of been all over the place, you it know, with the Dodgers, all over the place. with the Dodgers who have obviously been the favorite due to the fact that they were in the World Series last year. Yeah, they have just been all over the place. Look, where with starters and Kenley Jensen, yeah, Justin look, Turner you, not being there, Corey Seager, you lose him for the season. That's right, Seager's done. It's it's not good. It's going to be rough for the Giants, but, um, yeah, they've only won four out of their last ten. They're sitting there fourth. You have the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, the two clear front runners. I don't see the Giants and Padres doing any movement. The Dodgers have a chance yep. when Turner comes back, yep. I think. Um, Rich Hill was on the DL for quite some time as well. He came back. He didn't look too great. Look, the NL East and the NL Central are the two clear better divisions right now. Yeah. The NL West is struggling. They really are. Because each of the other two divisions have four teams over 500. Yeah. It's a lot of teams. Yeah. They, like you said, the West is all over the place. You know, you have, well, you have a lot of close. You do. A lot of closeness in the West. You have really do. Milwaukee and Chicago and the Cardinals. You have a lot of teams that are close, but like you said with the East. Yeah. And the and the Dodgers division, it's very it's something that you could take advantage of if you're one of these teams because yeah. of the fact that they're so good. You need to win these series now, and especially a team like the Dodgers who have started off the season terribly. You have teams in the division like the Giants and the Padres that you could take advantage of, and yeah. you need to win those types of games. <laughs> Pretty terrible, especially of course. And of, you got to get back into these uh, in uh, in contention. Because right now, the Rockies don't look like they're slowing down. The Diamondbacks don't look like they're slowing down. You know, you get a guy back in Justin Turner, who was arguably your best player in the World Series last year, and hopefully he could bring that same type of bat and spark back to the team. Sure. But they've lost a lot of key components. Yeah. And Rich Hill and, and you know, Corey Seager's done for the year. And Clayton Kershaw at one point in the season was on the DL, too. So that's something to worry about. Canley Jansen went from one of the— He hasn't not, looked good if not the best reliever in all MLB, to one of the worst. Good. You, need to, you need to figure out your bats and your pitching. Speaking of the Diamondbacks, though, it's been rumored that they are free to relocate from Chase Field in 2022. So, Did you hear of any places in uh, very consideration for relocation? Or? Um, not at the moment. I think... Um, just had an article pop up here on Zach Granke. He's also pitched very well as of late. Um, anyway, there's really no um, 
it's not like big breaking news yet, yeah. but it has it has been rumored that they're allowed to. Will they? I don't know. I mean, I kind of like Chase Field. I'm actually going to visit there. Um, so basically, um, they're sort of free to relocate. On Wednesday, it permits them to seek a location for a new ballpark. Um, look, the agreement that the D-backs have is right now it's seizing, it's asking the county to pony up nearly $200 million for upgrades to Chase Field. That's, that, a lot. that's the issue right now, and that that's is a lot. A lot. You know, under this deal, the Diamondbacks could potentially leave as soon as 2022. And the new stadium apparently is going to be built in Maricopa County. So it's going to be on, like, tribal land. That's the idea that's been rumored. It's been lingered around. Um, Look, it would have the same charge, the same taxes as Chase Field. Um, So just relocation in Arizona, just not out of state. But if you remember correctly, last year— when Chase Field was flooded, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if you remember that tensions were beginning to rise. You know that Major League Baseball started to threaten the intervention. So I don't know. Let's see if the D-backs will find a new nest at some point. Now, speaking of contracts, not just for stadiums, but for for, for players, we got to talk about Nomar Mazara for the Texas Rangers. What is going on with this dude's contract right now? I mean, you know, it's it just, in sports, it really bothers me how young guys, like Mazar is just 23 years old, and he's, yeah, he's turned himself into a special player, but already, like, come on, it's kind of like Odell Beckham for the Giants. It's Listen, you gotta, you gotta lock these guys up early. I mean, if you see even a, a spot of potential and you think that this guy could be the guy of the future... Then you got to lock them up, right? I mean, I'm looking at a team like the Yankees, where you see guys like Didi and Sanchez and Judge, and you see the production that they've given you. Why hasn't Brian Cashman given them an extension? These guys will take the money. Severino, why haven't? Why wait until right. they're up for a big contract, and then you're going to lose half these guys when you could keep them all, still be under the salary cap, and have them locked up for the next five plus years, right? I mean, you're potentially threatening yourself because you have the potential of possibly losing these guys. This Judge is young. Clyber Torres is young. Miguel Andujar is young. Didi's still young. Severino. Severino could be the future of baseball, pitching-wise. He's young, and he's playing out of his mind. Why would you not? Right. Talking about guys going into stars, though, you, you talk about Didi, a guy who deserves, you know, a large contract. How has Didi transformed in, in, into a star? I think just the chip on his shoulder, you know, filling in the shoes of arguably one of the greatest shortstops of all time, mm-hmm. the greatest shortstop of all time to play for this organization. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I remember a couple years back when they had first traded for him when the season started. After 10 games, Yankee, Yankee fans were booing him out of the Bronx. And asking for him to be traded. Well, New Yorkers have no patience, especially now, Yankee fans. And, you're expecting a win all the time. And now, and now you see he's probably one of the most valuable players to the team. Right. And it's and and he's played. Yep. Absolutely incredible. I yep. remember at the beginning of the season he'd said, "This is the year. You know, we got to put the, we got to put it together. We got to win this year." And you know, obviously, you hear that from a bunch of players, and you say, "Well, yeah." You see the roster; they're very capable of doing it. Are they going to do it? 
are you going to put your money where your mouth is? And you see how Didi, to at least begin the season, he's kind of been in a slump for the last couple games. But he's put his money where his mouth is. Right. Look, Didi grew up. Look, he this guy's not American. You know, yeah. he grew up in the in the Netherlands. You know, he's Dutch. He's a little bit different from yeah. a lot of these guys that you know you grow you grow up in America. You're asking, all right, where's the cash? I'm playing well now. Didi's not like that. Yeah. That's why a lot of people like him. Yeah. Is he the most underrated player in, in the major leagues? Yes. Yeah. That's my thought on Didi right now. Back to the Yankees. You know, at this point, you're just asking yourself, how are the Yankees going to get better? Why are people fearing New York right now at 26-10? and 10? It's so early. It's only May. How could they be this good? Well, I hate to break it to you. They're only going to get better. Yeah. They're only going to get better. And there's three key reasons as to why. Gary Sanchez is going to turn it on at some point. We've seen Stanton do it. We've seen Judge do it. We haven't seen much of Sanchez yet. He's had a few good games here and there. Yep. But he's going to get consistent at one point. Imagine if Stanton, Sanchez, and Judge get consistent at the right time. Yeah. And Didi. Yeah. Greg Bird. Greg Bird is only a, a couple of weeks away from returning. Greg Bird had nine homers last year. Yep. He's going to hit a lot more this season when he comes back, I think at least. Gary Sanchez is reason number one. Reason number two, I just talked about, the health. I think Tyler Austin is going to be a good first baseman for them at some point. Yeah. Is he ready to start every day yet? I don't know. But he, show, he showed good signs for me. Yeah. That's where Neil Walker has showed no signs of life. Yeah. Neil Walker, it, it's like a hangover. Like, are you still on the other side of town? Yeah. Wake up. This is Yankees baseball. This is not the Mets where you can mess up three times before getting booed. Yeah. <laughs> you mess up once, that's it. You know, yeah. I, I, I hate to word it that way, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. My third reason, their schedule. Yeah. They're dominating the schedule right now, and these are all great teams. Yeah. The schedule gets a lot easier down the road, and you get to pinpoint who the Yankees are playing. Oh, the Oakland Athletics this weekend. Yes, they're they're improved, but do the Yankees sweep them? Possibly. Pretty sure, pretty yeah. sure they might. Yeah. Pretty sure that they might. I think the one biggest key for me with this Yankees uh, Yankees team right now is just uh, the combination of Sony Gray and Gary Sanchez. Because if you notice, every time that Sony Gray is pitching, they have Austin Romine at, at catcher. Because Sony Gray and Gary Sanchez, they can't connect. Right. And that will truly become a problem. Because when you don't have Gary Sanchez in, in the lineup, you're going to lose him at bat. Right. I mean, you put him on DH, and then you give up another spot to somebody else. Well, here's the problem. Judge and Stanton, don't they play the same position? That's what I'm saying. Aren't they both tr- traditional right fielders? And now you have this issue. Romine, come playoff time, come September, Romine cannot be blocking a spot away from Stanton or Sanchez. Yeah. Can't happen. It can't happen. And that, that could potentially Gray, lose you a series. Right. Sonny Gray's not playing for you know a walkaway team. He's yeah. playing for the New York Yankees. Yep. You got to connect with your players on your team. The chemistry needs to be there. Maybe it takes a little bit of time to work. Look, the only way you find out is if you play them together. Yeah. You can't just say, "Oh, I'm going to play with Romine the whole season." Yeah. Unless there's something significantly wrong with Gary Sanchez, don't keep him out of the lineup. Another concern. Well, one one concern I still have with the Yankees is the manager Aaron Boone. I'm not really sure um, which way it's going to go, and not because he's good or bad. He's new to this. Yeah. He is new to this, and that's where experience 
can play a factor, yeah. I think at least. Well, the one thing with Aaron Boone, as you brought up, kind of concerning, I think he really he's done a great job so far. I mean, to yeah. have a stacked lineup like this caliber and to start off the season 8-8, eight and eight, I mean, you got to give some credit to what they've done. And that was their down point, 500. Yeah. That was their down point. That was their down But that, like you said, Tom, Yankees fans are impatient. And, you know, when, you're, when you have a lineup of this caliber, you haven't seen this type of lineup ever, uh, you're expected to win. You know, you have a new rookie man, manager in the, in the locker room. You're expected to win with this guy. How did he handle it? Well, he went 8-8. Eight and eight. That's not bad for any other team. But like you said, it's the Yankees. And then what does he do? He has credit exactly. for this the last 17 wins. Yeah. 17 in the last 18. Yeah. And and they've been absolutely incredible. I know a lot of people don't like him because he's a, he's an analytics guy. But you got to give some credit to what this guy's done. Kind of yeah. pulling the guys together and saying, you know what? We started off 8-8. Eight and eight. Let's show them what the real Yankees play like. Right. No, you're right. Look, the New York Yankees, and I know you're not going to like this reference. Right. They're the New England Patriots of baseball. Listen, I don't like the Patriots as a Giants from how, fan. From how, from how successful that they've been. Yeah. Not saying, like, players and mentality. Yeah. The success level. Of course. As of late. Yeah. Historically, the Yankees are the greatest, know, the, the, the greatest, the greatest franchise, franchise of all time. Yeah. Throughout any sport. Um, my thing is this. Got to beat the Nationals. You have two games coming up against the Nationals on the road. Yeah. You got to beat them. The interleague play is very important as well. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure these are the first two interleague games the Yankees will have. I think so. This season. Actually, I don't. No, they played the Marlins. They played the Marlins oh, at home. Oh, yeah, that's right. They played the Marlins at home and took one of yeah, those games. Yeah, that's right. They had two games against the Marlins and then they split. Yep. Yeah, that nine to one loss was not good. Yep. Pretty that's, sure that was about that's a when month they turned ago. around. <laughs> After that yeah. game, they turned it around. A few weeks ago, that was. Yep. But yeah, no. Look, coming up, you got the Athletics, the Nationals, then the Royals, the Rangers, the Angels, the Astros again. It looks very promising down the road. Yep. And this is what's crazier about this: the whole what the Yankees have done over the past couple weeks. They had to play eighteen games straight. They had. That's no yeah. rest. They just got a rest day this past Monday. They had now no you give them days. some rest, and they're playing at home nonetheless. Yeah. This team is bound for success. With how well the Yankees have been hitting, you can't say the same for the entire league. Yeah. And what leads me to propose that awkward thought on this show is that there have been three no-hitters through six weeks of the season. Three. There was one no-hitter all of last season. Why? Well, that's actually an interesting topic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're thinking about it, and you're right. There's been three no-hitters. I'm pretty sure Paxton just had one for Paxton the Mariners. Paxton had one yep. against Toronto. Yeah. In Toronto. Right. There's been a lot more strikeouts this year, and the percent of plate appearances with the ball in play has gone down. It's dipped under 70%. That's not good for the league. Yeah, it really is not good. Um, I don't know. I th- I think does the weather have something to do with it? Maybe. But if there was only one no hitter all of last year, I think it has to do with the controversialness of the of the box over the plate. The strike zone is changing. The strike zone is changing. It, it really is. You have different umpires every week where where some guys are easy on you and some guys are tough as nails. Yeah. And then with the strike zone again, where 
is the ball too low? Is it too high? Right. You know, I uh, I see guys I like I like Boston. They're swinging at pitches above the strike zone because they don't know where it is. Because yeah. sometimes you don't know what type of umpire well, you're going to get. Well, the pitching is definitely getting better, I must say. It is getting better. It's getting a lot more fun to watch and not as, but let's go with the batting. the game is kind of tweaking a little bit. And it's really hard to uh, dissect the exact reason for it. Reasoning as to why there's all these no-hitters. You know, it kind of leaves you, it draws you a blank. Yeah, it's very exciting to see. But like you said, Tom, one all of last year and three already. We're only two months in. Yeah. No. <laughs> not good. Not good. Uh, some big games last night. The Angels beat the Rockies 8 nothing, interleague play. And then the Padres over the Nationals 2-1. to San Diego, this season, to get a win like that, it boosts con- boost up your confidence. Because San Diego's clearly going nowhere this season. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes the one year the Dodgers were really bad. They were under five hundred by the All-Star break. And they were the first team to clinch postseason. Remember, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. And a win like that, it could potentially do something. Yep. Um, the Braves and the Phillies, they keep winning. They don't look like they're going to stop either. Two very young teams. Atlanta is quick. They're athletic. You saw what they did in the series against the Mets. Yep. They're a scary team right now. And to have a bat like Freddie Freeman on a good team, finally. Freddie Freeman has played on an, on an awful baseball team for quite some time. And if you're the rest of the NL East, you know what happened in the early 2000s, late 90s. The Braves won the division for so many consecutive years. You're starting to get concerned. Could that happen again? Maybe. Could that happen? You see Ronald DeCourt Jr. uh, Jr. coming up. Ozzie Albies. My thing is These guys coming out of nowhere. I don't think the Nationals have fallen off. I just think these other teams have gotten better. The division is much more competitive. It is. The and only a, exception it, is the Marlins. Who it's ha- unexpected. Half their team is made of minor leaguers. <laughs> it's very unexpected, too. Because like we, we were saying a couple weeks ago, you know, when the Mets were on this hot streak. Right. You know, this could potentially, obviously not easy because you got a team like the Nationals, but this could potentially just be a competition between the two teams. Yeah. And now you're seeing, like, the Phillies coming up, and you're saying, how are they doing this? You know, mm-hmm. you look at the roster, and you yeah. don't recognize any of these names. Just like you said, Vince Velasquez, who who is he? Right. And then with the Atlanta Braves, you know, you got uh, – Dansby, uh, Dansby Swanson, and you bring up the the minor leaguer Ronald uh, Acuna Jr. Like, who's Ozzy Albies? And it's 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 not just the hitting; it's the pitching. Yep. The three game series against the Mets last weekend. Yep. Or last week, I should say, they outscored them twenty one to two in three games. <laughs> three games, twenty one to two. <laughs> That's not good, Tom. <laughs> That's that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not good. Yeah. I don't care what kind New, of offensive team you are. That's not good. Newcomb has been really efficient for Atlanta. He has been. He he's pitched really well, and I'm going to give him a lot of credit. Uh, let's preview a couple of big games tonight. The Brewers are playing the Rockies. Mil- Milwaukee has been a good surprise. Yeah. Actually, people thought they were going to be good, but I don't think they were going to be this good. I think that they were. I think they're actually underperforming. I really thought that. The, think so. I think that the additions. Of youth in the outfield, they were hyped, they were hyped up. I to think be a like little, Lorenzo right. Cain, Christian Yelich, you know, you added pieces to the bullpen. You kind of you saw what Eric Thames did the first season with the Brewers. You kind of expected a little more in the second. I I think they, you know what, it's the entire NL West. You know, they're kind of figuring themselves out. Chicago can't figure themselves out. Yeah, you know, St. Louis is kind of all over the place. 
it's a division that's really close and tight right now. But as, as the season goes on, you know, you could potentially see a team like Milwaukee kind of break away from these other teams. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you heard about Stephen Vaught, career-threatening shoulder injury for Milwaukee. Um, it's actually very serious news. You know, they just get Boone Logan activated, and then Vaught, he's very close to rejoining after hurting his shoulder in spring training. He might need a second surgery, which is not good, uh, and that puts his playing career in doubt. Remember, this guy's 33 years old. Yep. He re-injured the shoulder while making a throw Saturday in Double A. Had an MRI, showed more damage on his rotator cuff. That's not not good. good. Not just his rotator cuff, his labrum, and capsule. Yep, that's, that's not a good. huge blow. He was limited to ten games back in two thousand nine in the minors. He strained his right shoulder. His guy's been banged up his whole career. Not looking good. Best of luck to him. They play the Rockies tonight. Two teams with identical records. Should be a great game. The Mariners and the Blue Jays, two good teams. Toronto's been very surprising, even though the Yankees just beat up on them. Um, the Yankees have been beating up on everybody. Yep. Uh, Seattle's a good team. Yep. They're a good team. That should be an interesting series. And then the Yanks Sox tonight. Another great game. I know you're excited for that. 7 I'm very start excited. Time. Listen, you know, you're able to, if you're able to, you know, just winning because they've already won the series. Right. But just being able, to, uh, being able to pull away two games, yeah. nonetheless three at home against a team this dominant, be amazing. I really do think that the Yankees are going to continue this winning streak. Yeah. I, I really do. I yeah. don't see it dropping off anytime soon. I see them maybe losing one game this maybe. next week. Maybe one game. Yep. We'll see what happens. On that note, that concludes our first hour of the show, but stay tuned as we'll be right back with our team of the week. I wonder who Kyle Russo is going to choose. You're listening to Review and Preview here on eSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo. We are one hour into our show, and it is time for my favorite segment of the show, our Team of the Week. And, Kyle, let's waste little time and start with you. I think I know what's coming. Well, Tom, I know you I know you ended off the last segment saying that, you know, I'm going to go with the Yankees, but that would be too easy. That would be too easy. So I am going to go hockey here. No. And I'm going to go... The Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, man. You know, a team, oh. and I'm not a big NHL fan. I really am not. But this team, you got to watch them. Just, the, yeah. just what they have been able to do as an expansion team, a brand new team in the NHL, and their favorites to go to the Stanley Cup. Favorites. An expansion team. We see expansion teams, Tom. Look at, look at a basketball team, an expansion team like the Timberwolves. They've been in the league now for 15-plus years, haven't been able to accomplish anything. They're in their first year, the Vegas Golden Knights, and Yikes. they are favorites to go to the Stanley Cup Finals and potentially win the whole thing. This team is the, this team is one of the greatest shows on ice. You know, greatest show on turf, football, the Rams. It's the greatest show on ice right now. You got to watch this team. Got to watch this team. I'm speechless. Yep. Listen, you got to change it up a, great a little team. bit. It's their first year in the league. Yep. They and look, they're they all due respect to them, their conference this year has been kind of weak. Yep. It has. 
I feel like it's kind of been expected with the talent that they have. I don't know. I really well listen. Who do you think I'm picking? Who do I think Tom is picking? Well, it definitely isn't the Mets. That's for sure. No. It's definitely not the Mets. You going with the Yankees? And that is exactly why I'm picking the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Neither of us picked the Yankees. One of us definitely should have picked the Yankees, but I'm going with the Boston Celtics, and here's why. Everyone counted them out. Everyone counted them out. Realistically, who thought they'd be in the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward? No Shane Lark in the last few games. Vice has been out for a long time. Quality big off the bench. They've had young guys in their early 20s leading them right now. Yep. And Brad Stevens is the most underrated coach in sports. Yep. He received zero votes for Coach of the Year, and that is out of pure jealousy because Brad Stevens has had so much success with his team and won 55 games this season, but nobody cares. Yep. Nobody cares about the Boston Celtics. Why? They've been the best team in the Eastern Conference this whole year, if you ask me. Dwayne Dwayne Casey, rightfully so, gets Coach of the Year with Toronto, but you have a bunch of awful teams in that conference with the Knicks and the Nets that you can just beat up on. Yes, Philadelphia has had a great upbringing, but the Celtics beat them in five games. The Celtics beat a team that was riding high into postseason play and that probably should have been in the Eastern Conference Finals, but no, because of Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, Al Horford, Aaron Baines. Jason These Tatum. Are all role players. Jason Tatum, 18, 19 years old. Absolutely. Jason stud. Tatum. Jalen Brown, 24 points last night. This, this team is incredible. They beat the Celtics 114 to 112 last night. And guess what? That leads into our next. Excuse me. That leads into our next block. There's a little tongue twister there. The Boston Celtics take down the Sixers in five games. Look. Brown, Tatum, and Rozier have really stepped up as of late. I really like what they've done without having those two stars. Rozier's numbers were nearly identical to Kyrie Irving's this season in the playoffs. Absolutely incredible. From a guy who went from a bench player to a guy who's going to have a brink struck backed up for him after the season. A lot of people forget he's been around for a while now. I mean, he's 24, but he only did two years at Louisville. Yeah. So he's been in the league three to four years now. Yep. And... He's really shined. Aaron Baines played some great defense on Joel Embiid last night. Remember a minute left in the game? Yeah. Embiid is trying to power him in, and Baines just standing there? Yeah. He's an excellent defender. That's why he's on the floor. 13 points, 9 rebounds? Yep. Not bad for a role player. Yeah. Guy, I remember watching Baines. He was the 13th man on the Spurs. Spurs carried 13 guys. Baines did not see the court. <laughs> in San Antonio. Now he's a starter for the Boston Celtics. Yep. Gets quality minutes. Love it. Yep. Love it. And, man, let me tell you, last night's game was awesome. It was really awesome. Sarich drills the three. It was back and forth between the two teams late. T.J. McConnell, the Game 4 unsung hero yep. that got the Sixers to Game 5. Yep. Without that lineup change, the Sixers don't extend the series to five games. Nope. It would no be way. They would have been swept. And really, you know, Al Horford is not even the star of this team without Irving and Hayward out. Yeah. It's not. It's a combination of three guys. Rozier, Tatum, 
and Brown. And don't forget about Marcus Smart. Can't stand the guy on a personal level. But defensively, he's an animal. He's an animal. He's like a defensive back. It's like he's still yep. playing safety at Oklahoma State. Yep. I mean, I don't like his off-the-field antics, but still. Yep. The, the, the future of the Eastern Conference is here. Yeah. It's the Philadelphia 76ers. It's the Boston Celtics. Yep. It really That's is. That's the future. And it, it will be fun to watch for a very long time. I know we could go back and forth crediting Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge for arguably making the greatest trade of all time with the Brooklyn Nets. And just Paid what off. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier have done and shown us. They bring a lot to the table. They bring a lot to the table. They really do. But the reason why the 76ers lost this series is because Ben Simmons cannot shoot the ball. His plus-to-minus ratio is awful. Brad Stevens turned Ben Simmons into a shooter, and that's how they won the series. That's exactly how they won that series, which translates to my next point, why Markel Fultz didn't play the series. I don't know. I don't know. I I thought that he would get at least some. I think I have my theory as to why T.J. McConnell played better. T.J. McConnell had an excellent series. And that's why he played 38 minutes last night. But even in the garbage sensational time. sensational game four. Even in the garbage time, they weren't playing this guy. Yeah, you know. So it's like there it's must really be a something question. really wrong yeah. with Markel Fultz if he's not playing. Yeah. Maybe it's just a rookie. You know, I'm pretty sure he didn't play most of the season, but still. No, he played about the last 10 games of the yeah. season. That's it. And then he, he came in and he clocked and beat. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, wearing that awful-looking mask. Yep. Awful. Oh, man. Yep. And that's also that a whole major. series. That's also listen. He kept on dropping twenty plus points every night. But yeah. think of think of what the mask had to do interfering. You know, a lot. All the sweat contained inside the mask. Having to wear the goggles. I know he had to wear the goggles in Miami. I don't know if he had to wear that against Celtics. Yeah, that's obviously a major contribution and part of the loss. But this this Celtics team is incredible. Yeah, it's bottom line. It they're absolutely incredible. I mean, yep. I know me for one. I thought that Milwaukee would have beat them in seven. I didn't think they were getting past the first I half. thought so, too. I really didn't think so. And then guys like Tatum, playing like a vet. Rozier, playing like an all-star. And then Jalen Brown is just, he's vicious. Yeah. He's aggressive. He's an aggressive shooter. He drives the lane. He plays good defense. Mark is smart. He's like... I'm, and I'm not compa- obviously I'm not comparing him to, but he's playing like he's playing like Rodman on the Pistons. My one problem he gets with into Smart, your head. he's very athletic, but down the stretch, I don't know if he's the best guy you want on the floor. Um, remember, he tried to miss that free throw; <laughs> it went in, but then he made up for it. He picked off. Yep. The Christian Leitner attempted pass by Ben Simmons. Yep. And Smart did a nice job uh, intercepting that pass. Then he also had the putback. Yeah, pretty sure Tatum or Brown. I think it was Brown that missed the layup, and then Smart's right there for the putback. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave the Celtics the the lead at that point. It gave them the lead. But my one reason as to why the Sixers were not successful was J J Redick couldn't knock down a shot. Yeah, I mean, he made one. Pretty sure he only made one three since the first quarter of Game Four. And then he came in and tried to make up for it. He had a great shot that kept the Sixers in the game. Yeah, last night. Yeah. Great shot that kept them alive. 
and he had a couple of great shots in that game. He made that yeah. one. He made that one three on the near side, the right side of the wing there, and he faked a couple of defenders out and put it in. Excellent shooter, but he only had 14 points. That's not going to do it. You know, Sarge and Embiid each had 27. That's great. McConnell was solid. The bench wasn't there. Covington didn't produce enough. Marco Bellinelli was not a factor in the last couple games of the series. No, listen. It, it obviously consistent enough. Obviously, you need a bench. But like we said, well, like I said, Ben Simmons. Yeah. I mean, imagine if this guy could shoot the ball from like 20 feet out. Yeah. I mean, this wouldn't even have been a competition. It really wouldn't have been. No. And that's, listen, that's something you learn. And hopefully we see next season that he's improved on it. Yep. Potentially be an all-star next year. And hopefully for his sake, he improves tremendously because it's a major contribution to the loss, especially in five games By the way, to a Boston team that didn't have Kyrie or Gordon Hayward. Not a rookie. Not getting rookie of the year. I hope not. Not a rookie. He's 21 years old. That was his second year in the league. He's not a rookie. This was his first official season playing. Yes. Yep. But not a rookie. Not a rookie. Nope. At least I hope so. At least I hope so. Ah, yep, yep, yep. All right. Now, my last thing on this series, can Ben Simmons make that transition to being a better shooter next season? Because the Sixers were good, but they weren't good enough. They were not good enough to get past the Celtics. They just weren't good enough. If no he, Hayward, no Irving, no problem. Yep. No problem. Yep. If he wants to achieve excellence in this league and be long for a long time and be one of the greats, mm-hmm. he definitely needs to improve on the on the shooting. Oh, absolutely. Because it's a major absolutely. contribution to, to his entire game. Yep. I mean, shooting is the game of basketball. Obviously, you know, the physical dominance of Ben Simmons and as, I know we don't like to call him a rookie, but a 21-year-old, right. being able to drive the lane, Young the guy. physicality yeah. of some of these big – Name guys like LeBron comparing him to, you know, his passing game comparing to Magic Johnson. He has the skill there. But you got to shoot the ball. Right. Yeah, you know, that leads me to think what they're going to do moving forward. We'll see. They'll be back next year for sure. Yep. I think they win the division next year. Which leads me to the other series. Cavs-Raptors, which we're not going to spend much time on because the series was LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, and a little bit of Kevin Love. (laughs) DeRozan and Lowry were too inconsistent. One guy had a good game. One guy had a bad game. LeBron averaged over 30 points per game in the series. It was playoff LeBron James. He's back to his seventh or eighth straight Eastern Conference Finals at this point. The Cavs swept the Raptors. Once the Raptors lost it in game one, I knew. Cleveland's winning the series. Yeah. They couldn't finish. Valanciunas, it's right there. You're laying it up in front of the rim, point blank. Yeah. Rolls out. That's – listen, this has been – I remember the press conference after game four and DeMar DeRozan, he basically said what we're all saying. He's saying, you know, we just have not had success against this team. The score – We just can't beat them. The game four score was 128. To 93. Yeah. 93. Yeah. They Come just can't play. on. You know, we see in the Eastern Conference a team like the Toronto Raptors, a team in the Western Conference, the Portland Trailblazers, they remind me exactly of this Eastern Conference Toronto team, showing how 
You know, you have your fantastic shooting guard, C.J. McCollum, and you have your fantastic shooting guard, DeMar DeRozan. And you have your point guard in Lowry, and you have your point guard in Dame Lillard. And you got your big man in the middle, Valanciunas, and you got Nurkic. Right. But why can't they succeed together? I mean, that's a big problem. Here's the problem. Game four, Valanciunas led scoring with 18 off the bench. Yeah, that's not good. That's not When you're an all-star in the Mar DeRozan, you have to, first off, you have to know better because he got ejected in the third quarter. Yeah, You have to be, smart. I don't care if you're losing, be humble. At least, at, at least shoot the ball well. Right. I mean, you could talk, but you got to perform. I don't care how well you did in the regular season. You got to perform in the playoffs because this is what your team has been known for. This is what you and Lowry are known for. You could have all the great seasons. I mean, they won the. I'm pretty sure they've won the East the past two years, meaning leading the the whole conference in standings. But you got to perform in the playoffs. The playoffs are where championship champions are made. In their defense, at this point in the game, Cleveland's a completely different team. Yep, they've been together for a couple of months now. They're beginning to gel. George Hill has looked impressive. Kyle Korver's shooting lights out. Yeah. Really good to see. Um, you know, Korver dealing with off-the-field family stuff. And it's really great to see Cleveland back. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that a lot of people are counting on. And, you know, I'm happy to say – well, I shouldn't say I'm exactly happy, but it's great to see a team like a LeBron James for ratings and stuff for the league. Yep. a Cleveland-Boston Finals, because that's what was slated at the beginning of the season. We thought they would be the 1-2. and two. Instead, they were the 2-4. and four. But, nevertheless, they're here. Yep. They're here regardless of seeding. That's why, guys, when it comes to playoff time, seeding gets thrown out the window. Yep. Unless it's like a 1-8 versus eight and a miracle happens. But Just whoever shows up. Whoever shows up on any night can win in this league. Look, Kevin Love had 23 points in Game 4. Corver was excellent. And remember, you got guys like Jordan Clarkson, Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance, Jeff Green off the bench. Yep. Those guys start on majority of teams in this league. Yep. They were incredible. I'm looking forward to that series. We're going to step aside for another quick break. When we come back, we will recap the two series in the Western Conference and then preview the conference semifinals. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo. Remember, you can call in with your thoughts, questions, comments tonight at our call in number. 516-299-2030. Let's bring it back to focus here. The Western Conference semifinals. The Golden State Warriors beat the New Orleans Pelicans in five games. Very much expected. The return of Stephen Curry in game two. Lights out play by Steph Curry. Uh, very happy that uh, Curry was able to come back and look at 100%. Very beneficial for this team. Uh, a lot of jawing in this series. You saw Rajon Rondo and Draymond Green get at it a lot. Yeah. Uh, very undisciplined, uh, which is not really good to see. But look, Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday showed up. Great output. Miritich was solid. But you're comparing Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, and Nikola Miritich to 
Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. That's no match. Yep. No match whatsoever. Yep. Davis was getting frustrated. You could tell. Yeah. You could tell. I mean. And it's real frustrating to just see him as a fan because you see him as yeah. a. He's very humble and very loyal because I know me personally, you know, if I'm that guy, you know, this is a once in a generational type of talent, Anthony Davis. I mean, when he's healthy, he just plays out of his mind. I mean, people compare him to, to the greats in this league, like Kevin Durant, and by what he's capable of bringing to the table. And, you know, it's real sad to say, but, you know, these next five years, it, it doesn't look like if you're in the Western Conference, it really doesn't look like you have a hope or a chance. It really doesn't because oh. it's just going to be so dominant of back and forth with the Warriors and the Rockets and, you know, other teams coming up like the Timberwolves. Yeah. Yeah. But listen, you know, these guys played their hearts out. They did. They left everything out on the court. And like you said, Tom, Anthony Davis, Meritich, and Drew Holiday, it's no matchup for Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond no, Green. Not at all. They didn't have a chance. Not you know, even close. Uh, you know, they lose with their dignity. I mean, at least they didn't get swept. You know, they managed to pull out a game, a good win. But it's just too dominant on the Warriors' side. Yeah, you know, they're a very dominant team. And having guys like David West, Sean Livingston, guys that can can contribute off the bench and be effective, Quinn Cook, they're a very tough team for possibly even the Houston Rockets to match. Yeah. Let's talk about their series a little bit. They beat the Jazz in five. Utah, great series against OKC. But the one factor for me was the absence of point guard Ricky Rubio, yep, which really proved to hurt Utah. Um, the hamstring injury in game six against OKC, uh, Donovan Mitchell having to run most of the point, relying on it like a 20-year-old rookie, yeah, not ideal. And you're looking at the series, yes, U- Utah takes game two, but then they come back game three, Rockets outscored the, the Jazz 70-40 to 40 in the first half. Once that happened, you knew the series was over. Yep. Because, you, uh, excuse me, Houston can turn it on at any time. You know, all these guys that can shoot, Gerald Green, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, yep. James Harden, Ryan Anderson. Clint Capella, Ryan Anderson. Yep, absolutely. Yep, absolutely, and, and no doubt. I mean, what this Houston team on paper is capable of is absolutely incredible, the potential. Yeah. And hopefully we see a very good matchup between the Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Back to the Utah Jazz. Like you said, Tom, I think this is a completely different series if Ricky Rubio is playing. Yeah. And not just that, but even last night's game. I mean, Donovan Mitchell didn't play basically the entire fourth quarter. No. So you put that into perspective. Could they have won that game? Possibly. Possibly. And maybe Ricky Rubio would have came back for game six. And maybe we would have got to see something different. Yeah. You know, we won't know, obviously, because we didn't get to see that happen. Right. But, like you said, Rockets just turned it on. I mean, Chris Paul single-handedly carried Houston to the Western Conference Finals in game game five the other night. 41 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Chris Paul was the X factor of the series in game five. He was incredible. Without Chris Paul... The Rockets don't reach the conference finals. Yeah. That's what was missing last year. Mm-hmm. That's what was missing. Yeah. They didn't have that last year. 
And, you know, still without a healthy Bamute, it's pretty impressive that the Rockets were able to handle Utah in five because I thought Utah could have extended the series to six. You and Greg both picked Utah to win this series. Yep. I thought that there was a potential. Ch- I didn't realize the severity. I li- obviously, I'll stand by my pick, and I'll support it. But, listen, like I said, you know, Ricky Rubio, even if he comes back to play in Game 3. Yeah. I mean, this could be a completely different series. You it know, could. Donovan Mitchell gets hurt in the clutch time of the fourth quarter. Doesn't go back in the game. That 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 was huge because then by the time he came back, the game was over. Yeah. The game the game was over. Like all credit to Alec Burks. He played great. Yeah. He had twenty two points the other night. But Royce O'Neal was, you know, the starter for majority of the series. Defensively he was great, but you lost a lot offensively without Rubio. Maybe not in terms of points, but in terms of ball distribution. Yeah. Spacing the floor, trying to match what Houston does. Identify what they do offensively because that's Houston's identity. Spread the ball, shoot the rock, get inside, offensive rebound, second chance points to Clint Capella to just open the lane up for more shooters. Yeah. And Utah has that to an extent. You know, and I love Joe Ingles. Yep. He had a great postseason, but it just did not match what Houston could do because Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell can only do so much. Without Ricky Rubio, Houston won this series. On that note, we will now preview the conference finals. They start on Sunday. And very interesting matchup here. Uh, Former teammates James Harden and Kevin Durant will take on each other in the Western Conference. And I'm very excited to watch this series. Very excited. Um, I think Golden State... And Houston were the two. That game, they actually won't start until Monday. But very excited for the series. I truly think that Golden State has the advantage, despite not having the home court advantage. I think the only reason why I'm having trouble picking who comes out on top is because Houston's home. If he gets to seven games, the Rockets are home. And Mike D'Antoni, very good coach, very well-coached team, the Rockets are. And as of right now, it's really looking like it's going to come down to possibly six or seven games. I think Stephen Curry being healthy is a huge factor. Uh, you know, Houston, I think, is a little bigger than Utah was in terms of size. And they're a lot more fast-paced, which can cause some trouble for Golden State defensively. I mean, you have your defenders in Draymond Green, Iguodala, JaVale McGee, Clay Thompson, but... Stephen Curry is not the best defender. Yeah. We all know that. Him trying to run around and guard Chris Paul and James Harden, that's a much higher competitive backcourt you have to guard than Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Which, you know, I want to pick Golden State, but something's telling me Houston's going to get it. I don't know what it is. There's, listen, I want this to be one of the most competitive series that I've ever seen. I want this to, in 10 years from now, Beanie 60. I want this to be one of the most competitive series that I've ever seen. But there's something telling me, Tom, that this is going to be five games and Golden State's going to come out on top. There really is. Because I just, I mean, you saw it in game three and game four. When James Harden didn't have what we know James Harden does, what does he do? He drives the lane 
and he gets to the free throw line. Take away his if left you, hand. If you depend on that, you're not going to come out on top in this series. Sure. Yeah. And especially, you know, obviously, you know, you have James Harden, you have Chris Paul, two very dominant players. But Golden State has four of those guys. Yeah. And then they got a deep bench, a very physical deep bench. Yeah. So uh, even though Houston has home court advantage, I, I, something's telling me, Tom, five games for Golden State. So you're going to take Golden State in five? Yeah. I'm going to go Golden State in six. Okay. Uh, I think Houston comes out strong and takes game one, but then Golden State will steal game two. Then they'll go up three to one. Houston will win game five. Golden State wins game six. I think the road team is going to uh, be a beneficiary in this series. I, I mean, I just think that the Warriors, they, ha- they have too much offensively. Like you said, they're a lot stronger built than Utah was. Much stronger match. Uh, to really break down the series, though, I think the ability that Houston has to spread the ball can cause some potential matchup problems for the Warriors as compared to Utah where they couldn't spread the ball as well. Yep. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what gives Houston a better shot than Utah, but if you had to pick something, I think that's what it would be. And you have an all-star in James Harden. Yep. You have an all-star. You have a potential league MVP, but Golden State will get back to the NBA Finals. Yep. So, with that being said, the Eastern Conference Finals which will start on Sunday. The Cleveland Cavaliers will be at Boston. Boston has home court in this series. Can LeBron get back to the finals? I think he will. You think I, so? I really, I mean, all the credit in the world to Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, and these group of young guys, Boston Celtics. For Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible what they've been able to do. But, you know, LeBron James is LeBron James. Yep. And and there's just they, nothing can stop this guy. I mean, it's proven. I mean, the Raptors, best team in the league, best team in the conference. Sure, sweep them, make yeah. them look silly. Paces, obviously, you know they push seven games. Game seven, LeBron plays amazing. Yeah, incredible. He he turns it on like a light switch. Right. And you know what, LeBron, he got rest. He's gonna be well rested. Well, well rested. LeBron is probably the scariest thing in the NBA. Yeah. Probably is. And he's going to have rest. This Boston team, I don't know if they have the the physical strength to defend LeBron. Right. I don't know what I don't know who you put on LeBron. Maybe you put Smart. I don't know if there's a height advantage. I know that Smart is probably your most physical defender. Smart's a lot smaller than LeBron. He's a lot smaller, but he's probably your most your, your biggest your thickest body out there that Here's you have. Here's my thing. Both teams are battle-tested. Yep. Both teams, I'm pretty sure, had seven-game series in round one. Yes. They're battle-tested. They're both here. Cleveland is more healthy. Yep. Cleveland's more healthy, and the Celtics are the clear underdogs. But remember, they do have home court advantage for four of these seven games, if it gets to that point. Um, look, Kyrie's not coming back. No. They're not rushing Gordon Hayward back. Neither of these guys are going to play in this series. Boston is too young. Yes, they have Al Horford. They have some veterans on their team, but the Celtics are too young right now. Will that play a factor? Yeah. I don't know. And Cleveland is just so experienced. They have all these veterans on this team. It's really hard to pick against them. Yeah. 
I just feel like the physical matchup of them. You know, because yeah. because they're so young, the Celtics, mm. they don't have the physical strength well, that these the older guys too. like LeBron have. Boston can use their youth to its advantage in terms of being more athletic. As we're Cleveland, they have a lot of old guys on their team. Kind of make the game more of a faster-paced game. Right. And, you know, you look, is Kevin Love going to be a factor? What happens if somebody gets hurt? Then all of a sudden you see, oh, well, Boston has the advantage now. Yeah. You know? It's very interesting to see. Let's pick this series. Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. I am going to go Cleveland in five games. Cleveland in five. All right. Before we went live tonight, I had my mind set one way. I really want to say that Boston can get it in seven. However, this series is not going seven games. No. Not going seven games. LeBron single-handedly will not allow it to go seven games. Cleveland in six. All right. I like that finish off at home. I'm going to give the Celtics... um, I'm going to give them two games. Yep. I'm going to give them two games. Because this is not their year. Boston. No. I think this might be Cleveland's last ride. And I think, you know, Cleveland-Golden State, it's bound to happen one more time. It's bound to happen one more time. Next year, though, look out. Celtics will overtake Cleveland. Yep. I really think so. Healthy Kyrie, healthy Gordon Hayward. Healthy Gordon Hayward. I have Boston winning winning the series. Yep. I have them winning the series in six or seven. But right now, Cleveland's going to win in six. Other breaking news in the NBA, we'll go over this quick. Nick Collison retires after 15 seasons. One of the three uh, remaining Seattle Supersonics before the franchise became known as Oklahoma City. Only two remaining players of that team, fun fact, Jeff Green and Kevin Durant. So Nick Collison was drafted 12th in the 2003 NBA draft. Very respected all-around role player off the bench for the Thunder. Started some games for them as a Seattle Supersonic. As he retires, Stan Van Gundy and the Pistons part ways. Thank God. Yep. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. happen. He was also the general manager of this team, too, right? Yeah. I believe so. The Blake Blake Griffin trade was, I believe, the end of him. I really do. Because Blake Griffin is a star, but he's just, he's unhealthy. Right. He's just unhealthy. And, you know, especially the contract. Pair him next to Drummond. The contract is killer. Yeah. That's what it all comes down to. No, because now you're bad. now you're stuck it's with awful. this guy for the next five years. Van Gundy gone. Yep. Some nice news though for the Sacramento Kings. Former player Peja Stojakovic is the new assistant general manager. Nice, nice pr- pronunciation on that one. Yeah. I was looking <laughs> at that before the show. I'm like, I hope I don't have to read that out loud. Stojakovic was actually one year in the early to mid 2000s. He was the second leading scorer in the NBA. Pretty sure it was the early 2000s. And, you know, Stojakovic actually played with Chris Paul uh, when they were known as the New Orleans Hornets. And, you know, he was a solid player, excellent shooter, one of the best shooters of all time. Yep. Great to see him get this role. Um, so we both agreed on Golden State. We both agreed on Cleveland. Man, I really want to pick Boston. Really just, want to pick Boston. It all comes down for me. I just really don't. I love LeBron. I'm a huge LeBron fan. I just don't want to see him lose another NBA Finals. I mean, it it hurts. It would be nice to happen. He's a legend. He's a legend, and to lose six NBA Finals, Yeah, but he's a crybaby. Come on, man. He's a crybaby. Everything's got to go his way. Remember, he got ejected the first time of his career 
this year. That's true. That is true. Listen, I'll give you... But he's a star. You know, you only get these types of calls when you're a star. Yeah, but the league plays in his favor. Who wouldn't? <laughs> who, who, who wouldn't? Uh, listen, this obviously, listen, we both believe that these series won't be long. Sure. And probably another matchup. And, you know, it's going to come down to really what LeBron brings to the table because we know Golden State will. key injury for Cleveland. Look out. Just saying. One key one? One key injury. If somebody like Love or Corver or uh, George Hill goes down. Well, obvious. Yeah. Look out. Yeah. Because Cle- I, I think Boston is one injury away from potentially punching their ticket and sneaking into the finals because LeBron can only do so much. I mean, they struggled against Indiana. Yeah. That was just a bad matchup for Cleveland. Yeah. They couldn't guard Dahl Depot and they couldn't guard Lance Stevenson. Yeah. And, but- you know. If I'm looking at this correctly, the Celtics are pretty successful against Cleveland this year. Well, Cleveland, it's been like so many different lineups this year. Yeah. I mean, you've had – I mean, they got rid they of six players. They traded half their team at Six the players during the deadline. Come on. I mean, yeah. this is a completely different team. And how are they here? LeBron James. That's exactly how they're here. That's the only reason LeBron why they're here. LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. That's the only name I've heard in the league the past 15 years. And I hate to say it, he's going to steal MVP from James Harden this year. I believe so. I really do. And I don't think it's a steal. I really don't. I mean, just the the absolute dominance I think so. of this player. I mean, of course, James Harden is a fantastic player, yeah. but give credit where credit's due. Sure. Absolutely. You know, fair enough. On that note, we are going to step aside for our final break of the evening. When we come back, we're going to talk some NFL football. You're listening to Review Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Now back to Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Kyle Russo. No Tommy the Mac McNamara or Greg Vavernick tonight. Greg is graduating tomorrow, so uh, good luck to Greg, as I'll actually be back here around 9 a.m. to uh, watch the graduation. Now, let's move on to NFL, our last segment of the night. Breaking news, Mark Ingram suspended the first four games of the 2018 NFL season. Huge blow, so if you're interested in drafting Alvin Kamara on your fantasy team, his stock just rose significantly. And just rumored over an hour ago that Ingram is going to skip OTAs. He's expected at minicamp, though. Uh, that's via a report from NOLA.com. And, you know, Saints players responding of the suspension. Ingram had an incredible season last year. Really incredible. Um, he appealed the suspension, but it will stand. Uh, and basically what happened was he, uh, the agent says that the positive test was not for PEDs, but for an illegal substance. Um, trying to figure out if that's known or not. Uh, the NFL reiterated Wednesday that an arbitrator made the final ruling on Ingram's appeal. So it was announced back on Tuesday. Look, it's it's going to hurt the Saints. It really yeah, is. It is. And, you know, as Giants fans sitting here today, beneficial. Maybe a possible win now that Ingram's In gone. In week four. We'll In see. week four. People the Giants, see. hopefully. But Ingram's a huge loss. I mean, obviously Kamara was a stud last season. But, he you was. Know, that one-two punch of Ingram and uh, Kamara, and especially losing him for four games, that yeah. – 
I know that put that puts more pressure on Kamara, not only mentally but physically. You're running him more. You're throwing him more. Sure does. It could hurt your team. Speaking of other news, Matt Patricia sex assault allegations back in 1996 when Matt Patricia was in college um, maintained his innocence. But I mean, clearly, come on. I just don't. I don't understand how these things come out. Like I. I understand how they come out. He was like almost the coach of the Giants. This late? This is this is 22 years ago. Why is this just, I mean, don't tell me you didn't know about it. As the Patriots see him, I mean, how could you not have known about it? I mean, he's been your coach forever. I mean, and this is now coming up on surface. Puts a big target on New England right now, and it brings unwanted attention to Detroit. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the brand new coach. Just you know? gave a new contract. There you go. Back when Patricia was 22, my age, aggravated sexual assault indictment in Texas. Back when Patricia was a senior in college. Yep. It was in South Padre Island, Texas, during his spring break back in 1996. It's not good. Awful news. And look, just don't be dumb. Really? Like, if you're pursuing a career, you have millions of people watching you, and now, you know, you get your first opportunity as a new head coach. Now this... This is what's what going into the season. Are you this is going to be thinking. Going into the season, this is what's going to be talked about. You know, when, when you, you're staged as a professional, these things are going to happen. They're going to happen. Yep. Um, other news in the NFL: Derek Johnson signing with the Oakland Raiders. Longtime Kansas City Chief. Yeah. Former number one overall pick. And the Colts try to boost their offensive line by signing former Jet. Offensive lineman Austin Howard, I don't think that's going to do much. Wasn't too impressed by Howard when he was with the Jets. No. I, I do think signing Nelson is great. Having Nelson is definitely a fantastic addition to that O-line. Austin Howard wasn't a bad O-lineman. Is he going to be a star? But no, hopefully yeah. he can protect Andrew Luck a little better than the past offensive lines that yeah. the Colts put out in the season, last couple seasons. Realistically here, it's uh, one of those things where if you're the Colts, just looking to not finish last this year. I mean, just yes, Andrew to, Luck is back. Just looking to get Andrew Luck through a full season. Right. Because that's really... That's the big thing right now. He's, he's your guy. for the He's your guy for the next 10 years. One thing we didn't bring up last week, uh, Ryan Shazier. It's 2018. Actually, we might have brought it up at the end of our show. I don't remember. I think we talked about it, actually. We talked about it briefly. Uh, the eight and a quarter million dollars is being immediately... Uh, given to Shazier's salary. They so convert it into signing they, bonuses. They converted it into signing bonuses, which is great for him as he's missing the whole season. Yep. Um, announcing news is us, uh, you know, two of us young guys looking to break into the field of broadcasting. Bruce Arians, former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, who just retired, joins Greg Gumbel and Trent Green in the three-man CBS broadcast booth. I like that. Interesting. I actually like it a lot. Very interesting. I just don't know because... You know the personality of Bruce Arians. I don't know if he's going to be able to handle TV. raw. Kind of watch himself. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to work necessarily. Right. I mean, we'll see. I mean, because the guy could definitely definitely coach. Yeah. And you could definitely stand behind him. I just don't know if he's going to have the right television-appropriate words to kind of get his word out there. Transitioning. Yes. Knowing. Because it's not just about knowing the game. You know, I've called games with plenty of guys in the past that know the sport. Yeah. But... From a play-by-play perspective, it's more than knowing the sport. Yeah, 
you know, you got to be able to call the game as well. Mm-hmm. You got to know those little in cues and out cues like we do in our commercial breaks. You know, mm-hmm. it's so hopefully, that, uh, hopefully, all the best for Bruce Aaron. Promotion breaks, I should new, say, <laughs> his new career. Speaking of more uh, broadcasting stuff, you know, Jason Witten retired last week. He will now join the broadcasting booth um, for ESPN Monday Night Football. Look. Right now, commentating is filled with ex-Cowboys. You got Troy Aikman on Fox, Tony Romo on CBS, Jason Witten on ESPN. Wow, it's a nice <laughs> Romo Witten connection. Yep, <laughs> it's a nice transition. Look, I'm not going to lie. Tony Romo's fun to listen to as an announcer. He really paints like a how, picture. I like how he really, you know, if you notice before the quarterback snaps the ball, he already knows what the play is because he's been in that position. Special talent. He's yeah. it's a really special talent. It's nice to. See, it's pretty refreshing. Not many people usually, have that. Yep. Nobody has that. I mean, no. I've never seen that before. It's kind of, you know, usually you see these guys, right. some of these guys that we've seen throughout the years, kind of how they're hiring these ex-NFL players to kind of get a real feel for the game because they know the game because they played it. But you have these guys that have never played in the league before, yeah, and they're calling the games. And not that they're doing a bad job, but to get a different perspective, especially from a quarterback, to kind of know what's going to happen before like it happens is pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's great. Uh, Jason Witten, class act. Tony Romo, a great guy as well. Yep. Um, you know, if you're a Giants, Redskins, or Eagles fan, you know, you didn't like watching him across the huddle for all those years he was with Dallas. But in our last 10 minutes of the show, let's talk about the Giants and the Jets briefly. Um, start with the Giants. A lot of undrafted rookies being signed. Rookie minicamp does begin tomorrow. And the Giants have actually made some transactions. They've waived five guys, one of them being former starter running back Paul Perkins. Yep. Who actually started last season. Look, he had no role on this team anymore. Saquon Barkley is going to be on the field 90 95% of the time. Stewart's going to be a change-of-pace guy. And you still have Wayne Gallman, three solid backs, no room. You know, they yep. lost Darkwood in the offseason. They didn't need him anymore. You don't need Paul Perkins either. Yep. It really stinks because – Kind of feel bad for the guy because he never really got the opportunity. Right, he really didn't. I mean, two years ago, when the Giants were eleven and five, he actually looked. Decent. People were saying he could be the next Giants running back, but no line to run behind. But no line to run behind, and you know he never really got the opportunity. Yeah. You saw they drafted Gallman, try to push Perkins out, yeah. and now they take Barkley with the second overall pick this year. Just an unfortunate situation. If the Giants don't draft Saquon Barkley, Paul Perkins is still on the team right now. Yep. Just, you know, he was the next guy to get the bump. Yeah, and potentially with a new revamped offensive line. Yeah. Probably could have seen a lot more good out of him than bad. Speaking of revamped, let's go over this left to right. In free agency, the Giants bolster their left side of the line. Now they let Richburg and Pugh walk, but they signed Nate Solder. Huge upgrade over Eric Flowers, signed from the New England Patriots. He's an above-average left tackle. I like him. He's big, Mm -hmm. solid. Good pass blocker. He'll protect Eli's blind side. I think it's a great signing. Overpaid, yes. But it's a need. Yep. Dave Gettleman attacked it. He did the right thing. And he signed another under-the-radar guy. When the Giants lost Andrew Norwell, they did not sign him in free agency. They get Solder, but they get a steal when Jacksonville cannot afford to re-sign their starting left guard. Under-the-radar left guard and Patrick Omina. Yep. And he signs with the Giants, and I think he'll be very successful in Big Blue. I also, think so. Very, very important about Patrick Omena. Uh The fact that he could also not only play left guard, but he could play right guard. He can. That's which right. is very good considering the fact that the Giants in the second round this year drafted Will Hernandez at a UTEP, who could also play left guard and right guard. 
which it'll be interesting to see which one starts where. We know those yeah. are the two starters at guard. Mm-hmm. I I think it, they'll probably go more towards the direction of having Solder and Hernandez line up at left guard, considering the the physicality, the strength. Kind yeah, of the I'm not build sure if you want a rookie next to Eric Flowers. <laughs> yeah, no. Listen, I think that's the like, way you go. I yeah. think Hernandez starts at left guard, um, because quite frankly, I'd rather have a veteran next to Eric Flowers than a rookie. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the way you got to go. And definitely being able to learn. I mean. It was obviously rumored and later found out that Eric Flowers was being shopped during the draft. And, you know, this guy's been one of the worst offensive linemen in the league for the past, ever since he's been in the league. Right. And, you know, the Giants have given him every chance to succeed. Yep. And he's been terrible. And he's, in fact, so bad that the Giants couldn't get anything for him. No. And so now he's on the team. He's got one more year. They didn't pick up his option. I mean, you want to stay in the league, this is your last chance. Prove it. Look. I, I wouldn't blame him for being upset. Look, I, I'd be upset. I, I'd be upset. Would I be training down in Miami? No. I'd be trying to fight for my spot on the team. Eric Flowers' competition is Chad Wheeler. Yep. That's all he has to beat out to start on this team. Undrafted right free agent. You pretty much, if you put the effort in, you're probably going to start at right tackle on opening day. Yep. And you know, maybe you could learn. Behind a vet like Nate Solding. You I'm know? pulling for Chad Wheeler. Just I'm saying. pulling for Chad Wheeler, too, because he finished off the season strong. He's in very that Redskins raw, game. but he's very talented. Yep. He's very physical, too. He yes. played against some great, I forgot who he... A lot better than Adam Bisnawati, who in they the drafted Redskins, last year. Yep. In the Redskins game, the last game of the season, he was very, very physically overpowering I think it was Ryan Trent, Kerrigan. It was Ryan, Ryan Kerrigan, and a couple times Trent Murphy as well. Yeah. At a Stanford, you know... Wheeler looks pretty good. He's big. Yep. Him and Solder both have size. You put Hernandez on the left, Omina on the right. Yep, and then Brett, Brett Jones, Jones ankles, an- ankles, anchors, anchors the center position at a, at a Regina College. Look, it's a very that's, good not a bad, line. that's not a bad offensive line at all. Look, the one concern is Chad Wheeler. Yep. Can you have a better center than Brett Jones? Look, Jones is still developing. He's still yep. developing. He's young. It's only his third year in the, in the league. He's very physical. Up at the line of scrimmage. He's very physical. Look, he's not the biggest guy, but he moves people. He's strong. He's big. He's yep. talented. Why not give him another shot? Yep. He didn't sign Richburg for a reason. Yeah. Part of the reason why they did, did not sign Weston, re-sign Weston Richburg, there's three reasons why they didn't re-sign him. One, he's too expensive. Two, he can't stay on the field. Yep. He's not healthy. And three, the emergence of Brett Jones. Yep. If Brett Jones lays an egg at center, they might be trying to re-sign Weston Richburg, which prevents them from getting Solder or Omina. Yep. And Jones developing has helped the future of this offensive line. Yep. There's going to be no starter from opening weekend last year that will be starting again this year because Jones started midseason when Richburg went down. Yep. And Flowers could potentially Look, be beat out by Wheeler. I'm still a little upset about Pew, but in the, in the long run, it's worth it. Let, yep. Pew, let Pew walk was yeah. not part of the future of this team. I think it's the best move considering it who is. they got in the draft and who they got in free agency. It is. Last four minutes, let's talk about the Jets. Will Sam Darnold start in 2018? Bryce Petty is gone. He was waived. There's now four quarterbacks on the roster, but you're looking at this team. You have Christian Hackenberg. You have Josh McCown. You have Teddy Bridgewater. Now Sam Darnold. Are one of these guys going to get traded? Maybe Bridgewater? You didn't sign McCown $10 million this year for no reason. You know he's probably going to start week one. I think I think Darnold's going to start week one. You think so? I don't, I don't think, think so. I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's ready either. And I don't think it's going to be voluntary that the Jets are going to have to re, uh, start him. 
No. I don't think they're going to want to. Yeah. But Bridgewater? He'll start at some point in the season. Darnold will start at one point in the season. I just don't think it's going to be week one. Health concerns, you don't know with Bridgewater. And then McCown, too. I mean, you're going to probably play him in the preseason. And that guy's 40 years old. My thing is... All it takes is one hit. And then who do you... You going to put Hackenberg in? Yeah. They have depth at quarterback. We'll see. Um... The Jets actually signed both of their six-round picks, cornerback Perry Nickerson and defensive lineman Folaronuso Fatakasi, a Queens native, Queens, New York. My best pronunciation of that there. Uh, good to see the Jets signing, guys. A couple of steals in the sixth round, if you ask me. Yep. A lot of these guys had fourth-round talent, I think. Um, yep. Fatakasi especially had a fantastic career yeah. at the University of Connecticut. He did. And even uh, Perry Nickerson at a two-lane. Under he was the a radar phenomenal. guy. Ran the best 40 at the combine. Ran a 432, I think. He's not that strong. He's not that physical. And he's undersized as well. But He's he, undersized. He, he makes plays. But he had, I believe it was 10 picks in the last two years at, U, uh, at Tulane. Right. The only reason why I believe he fell this low is because in his, I believe it was either his freshman or sophomore year, he had a horrific knee injury that kind of set him back. But he came in junior year. And senior filled and his role. Balled out. Yeah, he you know he really did a nice job. Uh, speaking of undrafted free agents, one undrafted free agent I want to talk about for the Giants and the Jets before we sign off here for the Jets, it's fullback Dimitri Flowers. He's got potential to make the final roster. I haven't read much on him, but reports say he's good. He's strong. He can help pass protect for a struggling offensive line. Yeah, it might be somebody that the Jets need. Yeah, he was very physical, and he could also be used as an offensive weapon. I remember. Watching past Oklahoma games, he was he was a factor in some of these games. Right, he could you use him if you had the ten yard line, you could use him as a red zone threat. You could help push the O line. Yeah, allow a mobile quarterback to run through or another running back to run through. Yeah, he'd be a potential potential starter on this team. One other guy for the Giants is potential slot cornerback Grant Haley. This is a guy, another small guy. He's only 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but they signed him as an undrafted rookie free agent, and I think he could fill the role. I mean, right now they're saying William Gay, who didn't look too impressive last year, you know, he was in and out of the lineup for the Steelers. Grant Haley can earn a spot on this team. Uh, right now your top three cornerbacks are Janoris Jenkins, Jack Rabbit, who's their solidified number one. Then you have Eli Apple, and then you have William Gay. Yeah. You know, you signed a few guys, Teddy Williams, C.J. Goodwin, free agency, B.W. Webb. And then there's Grant Haley. He can make the final roster. You know, the Giants just, they waived the secondary guy the other day. So we'll see. I think he's got a shot. I think a couple of other guys got a shot. Look at Chad Wheeler from last year. He might start now. Yep. See what happens. Yep. All, the, all they need is a chance. It's all they need. And I think they might get it, especially because they don't have the cornerback depth. They yeah, might have a lot of right. cornerbacks on the roster, but they don't have the depth. Yeah, we'll definitely see what happens. Is rookie minicamp will definitely show us on how this team may unfold moving forward. On that note, on behalf of Kyle Russo, I'm Tom Scavetta. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on WCW. <laughs>
Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit WCWP.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.